Well, let's give it up for Brad. That's amazing. Wow. So if anyone wants to go to Monticello, Indiana, just don't do it in the winter, all right? Trust me. No, it's an amazing place, and they've got an amazing ministry. Since they've been there, they took over an existing church, and every year since they've been there, that church has grown, not only numerically, but maturity-wise, just in every way, and it's incredible the work that Brad and Colleen are doing, so we honor you, man. Thank you so much for, he, he took some extra time out of a trip to Orlando uh, to just come spend down here, and, and that means a lot. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Want to just uh, throw some thoughts out to you before we're dismissed today. Um, on Friday, I believe it was, which my, was my birthday, I was just kind of spending some time with the Lord. 35, 35. Feeling a little nervous about heading to 40. So we're spending some time with the Lord, and, and I, I came across a, a Facebook post of a worship recording that was dur- done during the time that I was at Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And this is, I mean, this is going back a ways. And so when I first clicked on it and started to watch these videos of the worship recording, I was a little in shock uh, by the apparel that was being worn back in that day and time. But as soon as I got past that, I really, I really began to, to sense the spirit that was on the worship that was going on during this time. And I began to, have you ever looked back at a photo or a video or, you know, told stories of something that had happened in the past? And then you start to remember and then you go beyond remembering. You start to actually feel what you were experiencing in that moment. Anybody ever had that, that happen? And that's what was going on as I was watching this. And the thing that came to mind because the, there was a camera that was swooping out over the crowd and I was noticing different people that I actually personally knew very well. And, and it was very interesting because, you know, many of these people were, 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 were innocent of heart and they were, they were sincerely wanting to serve the Lord and they had come there out of great sacrifice, some married, some single. And as the camera was going over the crowd... I realized that some of the people that I was, I was seeing had passed away. Some were divorced. Um, some had um, gotten disillusioned with Jesus or the church and were no longer even a part of, of the kingdom of God. Now, this was a small percentage, so this is not a, a downer today. I just, I just want to tell you what was going on. And in the midst of that, I actually, I wasn't discouraged. I was overwhelmed by the goodness of God that had somehow held me and my wife to this present moment. And beyond that, like Brad was saying, I wasn't stuck in the past and I wasn't even um, as present as I, as I was in the moment. There was even this expectation because of the goodness of God of what he had done, how he had held us of tomorrow. And I just began to weep. Wendy saw me. She was doing her notes. She had just been out working on some patients. And she was doing all of her, uh, her entries into her computer. And I'm just like losing it in the house, just thinking of the goodness of God. And then the Lord began to have me reflect on Matthew chapter 5, and just for a few minutes, I want to just share some things 
that I believe are a key tipping point that's going to move us from today into the tomorrow. If any of you understand government at all, every government is, is only able to function under a, what's called a constitution, right? And sometimes constitutions are amended. Um, sometimes, you know, they're, they're changed a little bit based on what, what the particular culture of that government is. But whether you know this or not, there is uh, a constitution of the kingdom of God. It's, it's actually a very important piece of documentation that came from the lips of Jesus himself. And I was reflecting on um, this, this moment when Jesus delivered the constitution of the kingdom to his people. And I, I think, it, it, in my opinion, it was the most powerful oratory moment in human history. You know, there's been moments of of great communicators give powerful speeches in key moments of human history. I just began looking up, you know, over just the modern era, some people that have been used in a tremendous way through vocalizing, which is kind of what Brad was talking about. Like, if we're talking about wineskins, we're talking about vocalizing a dream. It's like we're where the dreams of God intersect our faith and then stuff begins to come out of our mouths that has been so solidified in our hearts that it actually begins to no longer just be like a theoretical thought. It actually begins to take on form and substance in the earth. And this was a moment that happened with Jesus, but there were other moments, you know, with Abraham Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address, right? Key moment in our nation. Um, Nelson Mandela... I mean, he gave this speech on he was prepared to die for what he believed in. There was, you know, uh, Frederick, Frederick Douglass, this former slave and abolitionist. There was Emmeline Pankhurst uh, in, in the women's suffrage movement. There were Martin Luther King, probably one of the greatest modern-day speeches in human history, it, 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 which was, I have a dream, right? But it came out of his mouth, and it began to solidify within the culture to establish something to move it forward. And this is what was happening with Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to, to see this. Actually, I think for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole, whole scripture in the front end, but in verses 1 and 2, he's standing on top of this mountain. I've actually been to the place in Israel, and he was seeing the multitudes, and then he opened his mouth, it says, And with these multitudes and disciples, he began to teach them. Now, what's really interesting about this constitution is it's it's so beautifully structured in the way that Jesus put this together. It's like you can see the intentionality of God in this oratory moment. Because it starts with verse Three, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And you can see the governmental reality here because he says, for theirs is the what? Kingdom of God. Listen, I don't have time to go into this today, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. I mean, I love my nation, and I love the the country that I've been born into and blessed to be a part of, but I am a citizen 
of a kingdom called the kingdom of God. And I was birthed into that reality by being poor in spirit. If you look at the definition here of what Jesus is actually communicating, he's saying, blessed are those who have need of God, for theirs is the kingdom. Here's the thing. This kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, and it's one that is meant to be manifest on the earth, not through our own strength, but through the strength of the Lord himself. So the upside-down kingdom, we come into it by having need. Need where we reach a point in our own journey where we recognize that we don't have all that it takes Going back to my experience on Friday, that's what was happening to me. I was like, oh my God, like along the way, I could have lost my way. I wasn't judging my friends that I was seeing on the video. Actually, I was very sober because I thought, man, I could have gotten divorced. I could have gotten disillusioned. I could have fill in the blank. But somehow, you were able to hold me along the way. And on the back side of this constitution, the very end, is verse 10 where he says, Blessed are those who are, this is very interesting, this is so just otherworldly. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what is right, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So it's between these two verses that we see what the Lord told me and, and showed me is a journey through maturity. How many of you know in process, we are called to mature in the grace of God? We're not supposed to be the same people that we were yesterday. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? We are being changed by His grace. And it is a journey of maturity that starts with I have need of you, Lord. And that, strangely enough, ends with being persecuted for not actually doing anything wrong. And then you recycle back to, I need you, Jesus. Are you following me? But in the middle of all of this, there are blessings, and he says it, for those who mourn, verse 4. Mourning. Have you ever, like, in your need of God, and you'll have to pull this into your own story, when you first start out, it may not actually be like all of this breakthrough. It might be quite the contrary. I have need of you, Jesus. And we think all of the sudden that Jesus is just going to come in on his big white steed and rescue us from all of our problems. And what ends up happening is quite the opposite oftentimes. And we enter into a state, if you will, of like, ah, mourning. Like, oh my God, I thought it was going to go so different than what I'm experiencing right now. But there is a promise to those who mourn. 
that they will be, that they will be, what? Comforted. This is such a beautiful thing because this is where we learn to walk with a person by the name of Holy Spirit. He is promised in the Word of God to what? Be our comforter. And that is a very, very important thing in the journey because if we don't have this kind of a relationship with the Godhead where we're able to derive our comfort not from a Netflix binge series or a bottle of wine on Friday night or toking on a Sunday, whatever the case may be, man, we need to come into a place where we need to learn how to navigate the challenges of life and receive from the grace of God through Holy Spirit. Now listen, I'm, I'm not saying that there, there may not be times where we need some help, if you will. Like, I mean, it comes in all kinds of varieties of fashions. But I'm telling you, we are medicating ourselves on all that the culture of this world has to offer. And God is longing for us to learn how to walk with the presence of God. Because there's some things that you and I are going to go through that no one is going to be able to come and give us some magic pill or some, you know, Kairos word that's just going to take away all of the mourning that is going on in the inside of our spirit. And we're going to have to learn how to walk with the presence of God. Come on home. But then he, he, he says... Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What I've seen in my life is when we walk with the presence of God, out of nowhere, just, I can't explain it, breakthrough comes, and we're positioned in a favorable fashion. And usually, that favorable of, of fa- fashion is, is, a, is a placement where because, okay, let me just break this down. Let me just get real honest. The mourning and the challenges and the problems come, not ethereally, they come through other people. Did I just say that in church? It's, it's always tied to people. The battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, right? But normally the intersect. Brad was talking about it. He said that, that painful people, people that are in pain, they hurt other people. So normally, the, the mourning, most of the problem, the issues that the disciples had as they were advancing the kingdom of God came through other people that were resisting them. But when the breakthrough comes and they were positioned in, in this, um, this uh, posture where they could have really then leveraged that positioning against their quote-unquote enemies, they didn't. They manifested meekness. Do you know what meekness is? Meekness is power restrained. Because here's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be like, man, when I get my chance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really. And when you start getting into that kind of a space, man, you are starting to veer off the course right there. Because if you look at the Lord Jesus himself, he is hanging on a cross. And he is right on the verge of breakthrough where resurrection is going to come. And he, and you know, the earth is starting to shake. The the sun is darkened. I mean, things are starting to already happen in the atmosphere. And he releases meekness over the human planet when he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. 
And instead, he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. You know what happens here? That's when we get our finger pointing off of everybody else, and it comes right back into me, myself, and I. And we say, Lord, I don't have control of anybody else and their decisions and what they're going to do with their life, but give me the grace to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in my own life because the only one that I can actually affect ultimate change in destiny in is me, is myself. And this is why through other parables, the Lord is always trying to point this out. Like, man, you're, you have this massive log in your own eye, and you're pointing out the sliver in everybody else's. And right now, I'm just going to be honest, I see a lot of critique coming from all kinds of Christians that I would have had all kinds of respect for, and I'm like, man, you've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness yourself. Manifest Jesus in your own essence and you will do way more fruitful work in the earth than you ever will with your pointing fingers. Right? Wow, blessed are the merciful. That's where you don't give someone what they deserve. Now, does that mean we become doormats for people? Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But we extend mercy. One of the most powerful moments I had in, in, in learning about the love of God was when someone came, got on their knees, were weeping at my feet literally for a wrong that they had committed against me. And man, when I was like thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a position here. I could let this person have it. I could leverage my breakthrough moment right now, right? But God had done so much inner work on the inside of me <laughs> that there was grace to extend mercy. This person was screaming and crying, oh, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. Something bad's going to happen to me and my family and my children. And I just jumped on that spirit. I said, that is not the Lord. That is not the Father. That is not the heart of the Father. What you did was wrong. It was unfortunate. But listen, there is a great God that loves you as his daughter. And you are being tormented by this right now. And I want you to know that not only do I forgive you, but the Lord forgives you. And this person just broke. Mercy. Will be one of our most powerful weapons to see breakthrough come in this thing called the kingdom of God. Holy cow. Blessed are the peacemakers. If the band could come back up. Hmm. Peacemakers. What about unrest? What about revolt? What about demonstration for what's right? What does it maybe look like in the kingdom? What, what struck me, and I'll close with this portion of Scripture, was right in the center of all of this language was this one verse that just jumped out, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is where you've given me and Wendy grace to somehow be standing here in this moment 
26 years later from when God encountered us to go down this path called being leaders to advance the kingdom of God where we can say, man, we're not only as on fire as we once were, we're actually way more on fire for God right now than we've ever been. And it's blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now, that's not talking about you, you know, doing all of these right things and you're such a pure-hearted person. He's talking about our ability to keep our heart innocent and free from offense through all of the other stuff that he's laying out here in Matthew chapter 5, which will really come when you end up getting persecuted not for doing something stupid, but for doing everything right. That's when the purity of heart thing will really be tested. All of this is summed up in one verse that I just want to read. We're going to go back into worship and we're going to be done. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. You need to highlight this verse. You need to meditate on this verse. You need to make this verse a massive part of your life if, which you are already called, going to make a big difference in the earth by being carriers of the kingdom. Jesus again is speaking. To Paul, Paul's reciting this conversation. And he says to Paul, he said, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is the word charis. It it literally means this. It means the divine influence on the human heart. Grace does not mean that we can just go do whatever we want to and then God's going to love us. He is going to love us no matter what we do, but that's not the definition of what's going on here. He is talking about that there's a divine reality that we can't see with human eyes, but it is real. Because you can't explain the transformation of an individual that was living one way and all of a sudden is going a whole other direction. I don't even know if I should say this this morning because I want to give some time for it to be bore out, but I'm going to say it just for the sake of illustration. Anyhow, Kanye West. I mean, it's like everybody's talking about what's going on, right? But listen, I just feel like these things are going to become more commonplace and it's going to be some of the most out there people that all of a sudden are going to be like shock and awe and the church won't even know what to do with it, actually. He was being interviewed by Jimmy Kendall and Jimmy Kendall said, so you're a Christian artist now because you just put out an album? And he said, you know what he said? He said, I'm a Christian everything now. Wow. My prayer for him is that he will come through the journey of maturity in his discipleship. But it's the divine influence over the human heart. It's where, that's where offense tries to close off that gate to a supernatural reality that is the only thing that will get you into your tomorrow and manifest something so powerful that will actually have some authority to actually change the world. And then he says, my strength, the word dunamis, my miraculous power, look at this, is made perfect 
complete. It, it literally means to consummate. It's, it's made perfect in what? Your weakness. Oh my goodness. There is so much that could be said right here. This is such a mind bender for me. But when it's we can just see what brings us to weakness oftentimes is all this mourning, all this injustice, all these challenges, and it breaks you down. Has anybody else ever been there? It's like, man, just can't. And yet when you keep purity of heart, you're positioned. When you go back to, I need you, Lord. You're at the end of yourself. You don't even have, know if you have the strength to get it out of your mouth. And all of a sudden, divine influence come, oh man, comes. And power manifests. You know, sometimes we get around people that are really walking with the Lord and have been walking for the Lord for a while. And we feel things that are extraordinary. And we don't understand why. But this is why. If you hear every story, i got to share this with you. Sean Boltz, who's been being used by God, we're actually going to host a thing that he's going to have here in, I can't remember, April. When is it? New, the New Year sometime. But I've been, I was so blown away by the accuracy of what he's delivering prophetically. You know, when we met him in, in, in Las Vegas, I had to ask him, I was like, Sean, like... I'm surprised that you're not, you know, boasting with arrogance, knowing people's addresses and birthdays and, you know, social security and intimate things about their life. I said, you got to tell me what, what happened, man. You know what he said to me? He said, Darren, on a Sunday after a church service, I was sitting with Jesus and he showed me the beautiful future of the church. And he said, to be honest, I'd gotten a little disillusioned in ministry, just kind of over the journey, and I wasn't in a very good place. And I didn't believe what the Lord was showing me. I total lack of faith. I was like, oh, wow. That was honest. That was raw. But he said, then the Father came to me. And he said, Sean, starting tomorrow, you're going to know things about people that you never could have known in your own ability. And each and every time it happens, I want you to remember that it was a gift from me to you as my son for your unbelief. is that so every time he gets a word now it breaks him we are not living in an arrogant kingdom we are not living thinking that we've got it all figured out we are not living thinking that we have all of the answers and that we've lived this beautiful perfect life apart from the divine influence of the grace of God over our hearts it is when we are humble lowly of heart and we seek continual renewal of righteousness on the inside to come and manifest 
and we show our enemies mercy. nation that we have been born into called the kingdom of God. Help it be a tipping point for us. Justin's song this morning and the reason why I know his journey and for him to sing about a hope and a future tomorrow that's a supernatural song because when you've been through the valley of the shadow of death and then you come on the other side and you can sing about a hope filled tomorrow that comes from heaven so I want everybody in this room to close your eyes I want to just pray this over you as we end Father would you give us grace to navigate the journey of life. We say over our marriages, we're not going to get divorced by your gracious hand. If we have, you're going to come and you're going to meet with us on the backside. Lord, there is so much redemptive power even in the midst of whatever goes on. We're not going to live under shame, condemnation, brokenness because we thought things were going to go a certain direction. The point is, is you're going to come and meet with us either way. Lord, we're not going to let people and situations take power and precedent over our heart when they don't deserve that kind of authority. Lord, we give you authority over our hearts. You are the Lord of our hearts. You are the guardian of our hearts. Lord, keep us in a healthy place, Lord. Let us manifest meekness. Let us manifest purity of heart. Let us manifest the essence of Jesus to the world around us. God bless you guys. Listen, have an amazing Sunday. We're going to have some ministry teams up here. Listen, if you've got stuff going on in your heart, like I just pray, God, let it wash off. Let it wash off. Let it wash off, Lord, today. Let it wash off, Lord. Just all of that residual, Lord. Let it come. Let your presence come and just wash off, Lord. Pain, disillusionment, God. Isolation. No one set aside unto themselves, Lord. Let them come into family, spiritual family in Jesus' name, Lord. Come and have your way.